You've fallen off the road. You need to be back on the road. I want you to know you're not here by coincidence. You're not watching by coincidence. And we're excited you're here with us live in Houston. Come on, Houston. Houston, let's go. And today with me to join and help me in this podcast, I have really good friends. Would you give it up for Pastor Emilio from Nova Church? Give it up for Pastor Jeff. Come on. guys for joining me honestly let's just pretend it's just us talking at coffee okay? okay and everyone else is part of the conversation I want to talk to us about something that I really believe resonates I've been imagining in our lives but also in people I want to talk about the power of walking through a process mm-hmm. a painful process um, you don't have to go far to meet people that are going through pain right yeah people are going through pain and whether you're watching this today or you're in the live audience, um, if you're going to become a person that God's going to use, soon, it doesn't matter when, you're eventually going to have to go through a season of pain. And so today, I want to read a story in the Bible and use this story to talk to us about what happens when God leads you through a process of pain yeah. and what God's purpose is sure. in that process. Um, I'm going to read from the book of Genesis chapter 32. So if y'all want to get your Bibles out, turn your Bibles on. Genesis chapter 32. I want to start reading in verse 22. 32. uh, 22. It says, During the night, Jacob got up, took his two wives and his two servant wives and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, everyone say, to the other side. To the other side. He said, his possessions. And then it says in verse 24, you guys, I know you all preached this before, but I really want everyone to get this. The Bible says, Jacob was alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Then the man saw that he would not win the match, and he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking, But Jacob said, I will not let you go. Everyone say, I will not let you go. I will not let you go. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked? He said, Jacob. Your name will no longer be called Jacob. The man told him, because from now on you will be called Israel. Because, it says, you have fought with God and men and have won. You have fought with God and man, and you have won. So here's the question I'm going to ask you. Have you ever got into a fight with God before? Have you ever been in a fight with God before? Have you ever felt like you are fighting God right now? Here is a man who, on the outside, looks very successful. He has cattle. God's blessed his life. So if you were to see his life on the outside, if you were to take an Instagram picture of his life, you would say success. But on the inside, he's hurting. He's broken. He knows that things aren't right with him and God. And it's possible, right, to succeed publicly, but to be failing privately. Yeah. That happens. And here is Jacob. On the outside, he's succeeding. Mm -hmm. But on the inside, he's failing. Have any of you ever felt that way before? Yeah. Have you felt that way before? Yeah, I think, I think uh, we've all gone through seasons like that. We gotta, there's a phrase we often say, you got to fake it till you make it. That's right. And sometimes faking it till you make it, you don't understand, but you're hurting yourself more in the long run than just being honest about the season you're in to your closest people. Uh, sometimes I think current society paints this picture that we need to be perfect at all times. Yeah. And in reality, you know, attempting to be perfect ends up hurting us in the long run for us. So I've been there many times, and you asked another question earlier, like, have you ever wrestled with God or fought with God? I think yes. I think all the time, fighting with him, like, Lord, are you sure? Like, why, why me or why this or why that? And, um, but I've, I found it that it's, it's, it's good and it's important in those moments because it's when I've heard him the clearest. He's yes. caught my attention in those moments. Um, Kashita, let me ask you a question. 
Uh, here is a process that Jacob is going through. He's leaving the familiar, about to go into the unfamiliar. Yeah. You kind of seem that way right now. You left the familiar of Guatemala. You're in the journey following the vision that God gave you to go into the unfamiliar in Houston. Tell us, what has that journey been like for you? So yeah, I'm, I'm in this journey right now, like you said, uh, of leaving the familiar to go into what has, God has called me to do, me and my family. Have my wife here, my daughter was, is here uh, with us tonight. And it's been a, a long process. It's been a, first of all, I have to learn patience. We were talking about this the other day. Um, I had to learn patience because from where I come from, a lot of things already seem like they're done. Well, yeah, when you came from a mega, mega, mega church, yeah. you were leading, you had people to do everything, it yeah. seemed like. Uh, our church is a 30,000-member church. Back home, we have a 12,000-seat uh, temple auditorium. And coming here, and we're starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. I mean, zero, nothing. Uh, we, we didn't even have chairs. We didn't have a living room. We didn't have a house. Couldn't you take have... one of those 12,000 chairs? <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, Dad, hook me up. <laughs> and, and if I can um, go to the point directly is that I have to learn to trust. Uh, I've been in a position where I think I'm trusting God when in fact I'm trusting the organization. Mm. Oh, wow. So I, we have 200 people on staff and you know you can get things done with 200 people. Yeah, we have 4,000 volunteers. So you come from a place where you say like, hey guys, I need somebody for worship tonight. And there's 10 guitar players saying, hey, I can be there. Yeah. Five drummers. And then you're like, all right, let's, let's start this new vision and, and let's do this. And, and I need somebody to sing. And you turn around and you're like, I should take singing lessons. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at some point I thought I was trusting God, but the big organization wouldn't let me trust him really yeah. because I had somebody to solve things for me before I could get to God directly. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the things we have around us, the familiar, yeah. Yeah. will distract our vision from who we need to trust Whoa, in the first yeah. place. So, so right here, I know I have friends, I know I have a, a big family and everything, but I'm really trusting God. I mean, if, if he doesn't send the people, there's not gonna be a soul on Sunday. If, if he's not there, so I really have to trust that. And that's been a process for me because uh, to really see myself in the mirror and said, are you really trusting God? Mm. Um, that's powerful because that's what happened to Jacob. Jacob was left alone so he could learn to trust God alone. Yeah. Because he was going to teach his family to trust God. How can we tell people to trust God if we're not really truly trusting Him? Yeah. And I think what God wants to do in all of our lives now mm. is lead us to that moment, our monarch moment. It's our moment of transformation mm -hmm. where we can't, God leads us to a place like led Jacob, like he's leading you now, mm -hmm. like he led you, yeah. where you, you can't trust anyone else but God. Because if God doesn't come through, yeah. we're done. Yeah. And Pastor Jeff, I know uh, you've been leading in Houston. You've had to go through transition in Houston. And as a pastor, tell us about your journey with God as he's led you to the unknown and what God did in your life. Yeah, well, two things really stick out. Um, first of all, you mentioned the word pain. And, you know, you mentioned trusting God. Um, and maybe you can help me answer this too because this is, this is very powerful when you think about it. When we go through pain, it's like we go through that alone. Yes. You know, we can say, you know, like, you know, my wife delivered three times. We had three, three kids, right? I didn't go through the pain <laughs> like she did. You know, I like to think in my mind, you know, I had those sympathy pains. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so like pain is something that you, you have to go through alone. Yes. So, you know, what is that like 
the road to restoration obviously is painful, but like, what is that like? Trusting God, you have to trust him by yourself. You mentioned Jacob was left alone. What does that feel like? Because you're, you're going through pain alone, but are you really alone? You know, what, what, is, what, is that, what does that feel like? Well, I think one of the things is God uses pain to prepare you for your promotion. Oh. There is no pain that is in vain. God doesn't waste any pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pain is the greatest motivator. Yeah. And God knows that. And so oftentimes we have to learn to trust God's promise more than the message of our pain. Yeah. Because pain will send you a message. Like it's over. Yeah. When God's like, that's not the message. You're just beginning. Pain will tell you, you can't make it. And God's saying, well, who said you can't make yeah. it? I am more than able to take you through this. Yeah. Pain will tell you, look at what you did. And God will say, well, hold it. Look at what I've done for you. Yeah, come on. And so in this story, Jacob wrestles and Jacob fights. And we know that the person that he fights with is an angel. Some see that this is a Christophany, which means Christ revealed in the Old Testament. Yeah. And he, in essence, so we can say that Jesus is wrestling with Jacob. And he has to bring him to a, a place of pain so that he can embrace his new name. Yeah. The new name that he's given him is Israel. And Israel means a prince who has power with God. Yeah. But so that he becomes a prince who has power, he has to go through pain yeah. to promote him Come on. to that new name. So, so when a person's going through the road of restoration, you have to manage pain correctly. Watch the message that your pain is giving you. And don't let the message that your pain is giving you become greater than the promise of God's message for you. Yeah. Pain is universal. Yeah. We're all going to go through pain. But not all of us are going to grow through our pain. Come on. Jacob, he embraces the pain and he says, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. Uh-huh. In other words, I know this hurts, but I'm not going to let you go until I know why I'm going through this. I'm not going to let you go until you show me why I had to go through so much pain. I'm not going to let you go until you reveal to me the purpose of this. So good. So I'm going to hold on to you, Jesus. I'm going to hold on to you, God, until you show me what is the purpose. Come on, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So good. Ten years ago, you went through pain. Like, we all look at you today. You're a great-looking guy. You're very gifted. You get up there and speak. You have a wonderful family. But ten years ago, no one would have thought that. Because you went through excruciating pain. Tell us about that process. Yeah, no, of course. Um, Ten years ago, um, we're coming up on it. I was diagnosed with the last stage of cancer. So as we're sitting down at the at the How old were you? I was uh, 26. 26 years old. 26 years old. We're sitting down. My wife's pregnant two months with our daughter, and um, my grandma had just died the day before of cancer. So I'm getting these news the, the day after, and as we're sitting there, um, I remember my, my wife's pregnant two months. We're getting these news, and um, I remember at that moment, like, she's crying. The doctor says, I'm going to step out. I'm going to let you guys speak. These are the next steps for you to do. And I remember at that very moment, my pastor said, um, uh, Emilio, it takes the same amount of time to worry and to pray for the situation. And so at that moment, when we were receiving these bad news, uh, when we were in the middle of pain, you know, you just said some of us will grow through it. Some of us won't stay in it. For me, I chose to believe what God could do. I remember at that moment, I just told God, I said, God, I just want to see three things happen. Please, Lord. Whatever happens next, you just, you do whatever you, you can. Number one, I said, I want to see my daughter be born. Yeah, I just wanted to see my baby girl be born. Number two, I said, um, can I eat some tacos in Mexico City? <laughs> That's yeah. spiritual. Yo, the Lord will listen to yeah. your, he will listen to what you yeah, said. Number three, yeah, number three, I just said, hey, Lord, would you just, at the end of all this, uh, would you just, you're, would you get the glory of everything? But, but it wasn't easy. At times, it was painful. It was moments I, I would wake up in the middle of the night. I knew the promise, 
I knew that God could heal me. I knew that God could do it. I just wasn't ready for the process. How did you make it through the night believing for the promise of restoration yeah. in your body when your grandmother, who's your ancestor, just died of cancer? Did you ever battle with those thoughts? Did you ever battle with the thought of, I think I'm just going to go out the same way my ancestors did? Yeah. No, 100%. I think there's, there's two things that I did a lot. Um, I think when moments like this happen, it's important that um, sometimes we got to go in and prophesy to ourselves. We got to open up. We got to open up that Bible okay. and we got to read the verses and speak them over our lives. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we, we're hoping that the pastor does it. We're hoping we show up to church and that's how we get it. No, you got to do it yourself. Go in there, get in the Word, speak to you, speak the, the words of healing. The second thing I went in there, I went through my notes on my phone and there was a lot of promises from God that had not been fulfilled. So I would just tell God, unless you're going to speed these processes up and make them happen in the next couple months, I know we still got some time, but I'm going to trust the process. And so I'll tell you, it, it was not easy, Pastor, I'll tell you. You wanted a miracle. I wanted the now miracle. I thought, God, you could do it now. But at that very moment, I think what's crucial to processes of restoration or anything that we go through in lives um, we, we often forget that God is in the miracle-making business, but he won't make the same miracle twice the same way. I like that. Uh, you see it in, in the story. When Moses parts the sea, what does he do? He grabs the staff, he puts it, and he opens the water. When Joshua and the, and the priests come into the play, they're expecting the same miracle, the people of God. But it says that the, the, the river dried up about two miles up the road. So it's the same miracle. Same crossing into the next stage of life is just a different way of the, how the miracle was delivered. And so for me, this whole time and these whole moments, I, there was pain. I was believing God's promises. I had to endure the process. But in the middle of all that, I just had to say, you know what, Lord, I trust you. And at the end of it, you're going to get my praise. At the end of it, um, we're going to see your goodness fulfilled, whether it's on this side of eternity or on the other side of eternity. But, but through it all, I just had to stay the course. And I had to, there's one thing, if I could just say, uh, there's one thing that, that was crucial for, for our life, for our story. It, it was understanding my process and what God had for me. Mm -hmm. See, we live in such a time that we like to compare processes and stories and everything. Oh, I wish my story was like his. I wish I, wish I had 200 staff members and 4,000 volunteers. Like, but, but the reality of, of life is that God's called me to something unique. And if he's called me to something unique, my battles will look different. If he's called me to something unique, my restoration will look different. Uh, if he's called me to something unique, um, at the end of the day, God needs my unique story, just like he needed ours for his glory. Yes. And so 10 years later, y'all, um, we had a girl, Naomi Noel. The doctors told us we couldn't have any more children. And during pandemic, God said, well, the doctors can tell you that. I got another, another thing coming. So we had Zion Luca, two years old now, our miracle baby. Well, come on, give God <laughs> Whether you're listening to the podcast or you're in the room, I want you to know this. You're listening to this because it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when you go through a process. Yeah, mm -hmm. come on. I want you to remember what you're hearing today. It's not a matter of if you're ever going to go through it. If you desire to be used by God, if you desire to be blessed by God, then you have to go through the process of God. And so what you're hearing today from everyone are real life stories yeah. of real challenges, real obedience, real trusting in God. And I believe if God can do it for us, he's going to do it for you. Yeah. How many yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amen, amen. So we were just talking about restoration. Yeah. I think in, in life and in stories, um, you read an amazing story where there's been challenges or different things, but I think the question we would like to know um, as we sit here tonight is what are three things necessary to go through uh, in a process of restoration? That's a great question. I think in restoration, I want you to think of the word restoration. Think of the first three letters, rest. Everyone say rest. Rest. Whenever you break a bone, the first thing the doctor says is you have to get some rest. rest. And I think what happens is whenever you go through crisis, trauma, pain, the first thing we want to do is run. Yeah. We want to run. We want to run as fast as we can 
to what's going to bring us pleasure, run as fast as we can yeah. to try to get out of the pain, run as fast as we can to remove ourselves from the pain. But rest is key to restoration. Yeah. Literally, physically saying, I'm going to let my body rest. Mm. Number two is to rest in the finished work of Christ. So I know that sounds super spiritual, but let me explain it to you. When you rest in the finished work of Christ, this is what it means. You rest as if it's already done. Come on. You rest like Jesus already took care of it. Yeah. You rest like Jesus already died for it. Yeah. You rest like Jesus already resurrected for it. Yeah. When you rest in the finished work of Christ, you're able to take those thoughts of anxiety and worry of shame, of guilt, of condemnation, yeah. and submit them to Jesus because he already died for it. Yeah. So okay. I can rest that Jesus already died for my healing. Yeah. He already died for the restoration of my family. He already died for my financial restoration. Come on. He already died for the restoration of my marriage. Yeah. He already died for the restoration of my ministry. Yeah. He already died for the restoration yeah. of my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I need to first rest that it's already done. Everyone say it's already done. It's already done. In any moment, I am tempted to go back to my past and remind myself of what happened. Remember this. I have to stick my hand in the blood of Jesus. Come on. Pull out my past and look at my past. And when you do, you'll remind yourself that that past is still covered by the blood. Come on. And your willingness and desire to want to bring back the past will never be able to go past the blood. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have to learn to rest yeah. in the finished work of Christ. That the blood was enough. You don't have to crucify Christ again. That the resurrection was enough. Yeah. There's enough power to bring you through. That the cross is enough. That your old person, the old you, was already taken care of. And that if you'll rest in what he's done, that can bring you to the restoration that he wants to bring you to. But the third thing that I would say is this. Rest physically. Rest in the finished work of Christ. And this might be the most difficult Lay to rest what only God can resurrect. Mm. Yeah. Good. Wow. Don't try to keep something alive that he wants for you to let die. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. wow. So good. Lay to rest what only he can resurrect. Because in all of us, we're going to try to keep something going that God might say, I need you to let that go. Yeah. Unforgiveness, let that go, lay it to rest. Mm. Hurt, lay it to rest. Offense, lay it to rest. Yeah. What you did in your past, lay it to rest. What they did to you, lay it to rest. Yeah. Whatever you lost in a financial crisis, everyone say it, lay, lay it, it to rest. rest. Whoever left you, lay, lay it, it to rest. rest. Whoever doesn't want to be with you, Lay it to rest. Whatever job you lost, lay, lay it to rest. Because God can only resurrect what you lay, lay to rest. Yeah, so good. But as long as you've got your hands on it, as long as you've got your eyes on it, as long as you're speaking to it, as long as you're fighting for it, He's going to sit back and say, lay it to rest. So good. Lazarus is dead. And Jesus, the Bible says, when he's sick, Jesus said, I'm going to stay right here. Yeah. Lazarus needs to die. But Jesus, if you would have been there, Jesus said, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Come on. But you've got to let Lazarus die. die. Okay. Mm -hmm. So restoration, I believe, happens when I rest mm. physically. So good. When I rest in the finished work of Christ, and then when I lay to rest, when only God can resurrect me. Is that helping someone in Houston? Yeah. So good. I know this question might, might take a turn here, but I always see you wearing 
Either if it's a hat or something with the number 42 in it. You're actually wearing a hoodie right now <laughs> with the 42. Can, can you explain to us, what does it mean and why should it mean something for me too? That's good. Well, three, about three and a half years ago during COVID, I went through probably one of the greatest challenges of my life. Um, I never expected that my marriage was gonna end I never expected that my family was going to go through so much pain. However, it happened. I'm one of those stories is I preached the rest of my whole ministry was restoration of families. So I've seen marriages healed, marriages restored. I've, for me, it was not difficult to believe that God could restore marriage. Yeah. My marriage didn't get restored. Mm. And so I battled with God. Like, God, come on. That's not fair. Mm. I've seen people, I've seen Families restored. And God said to me, this, the same miracle that I did for others, I can do for you. But like what you said, you need to let me do it in a different way. Yeah. And so I started going to the scripture. And, he, and God really challenged me. He said, do you believe that I can restore? So I spent an entire year, Kashito, mm. during COVID, reading my Bible with a journal in studying restoration in the Bible. Yeah. I realized that there is a number that kept coming back mm. when God did a restorative work in the Bible. Mm. Starting in the book of Job. Job chapter 42, 10. After Job loses everything and the enemy is attacking him, he loses everything. Yet in Job 42, 10, the Bible says, God restored Job. In fact, he restored to him yeah. double. What he lost. Job 42, 10. Come on. God restored to him double. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to own that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to own the promise of 42. And then I went to Genesis 42. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that Joseph's family was restored in Genesis 42. He was restored to his brothers. He was restored to his father. Yeah. Genesis 42. Wow. And then I went to Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42, 22. Isaiah said, men and women live in homes as in prisons because there is no one that declares restore. And God showed me restoration doesn't happen often because people don't declare the word restore. And so I realized there's a pattern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Genesis 42, Job 42, Isaiah 42. Mm -hmm. In each one of those moments of the chapter 42, God did a restorative work. And so you know what I claimed? That 42 is the number of restoration in the Bible. And I'm believing that today. Wow. Yeah. So much that I made a decision to not just read it, to wear the promise. So when I wear a hat 42, it's because I'm believing restoration is over my mind. Mm. When I wear 42, a, a hoodie over my heart, it's because restoration is over my heart and over my future. Mm. And so I've encouraged people to embrace the number 42. Mm. 42 is for me. And until you see 42, keep believing God because your restoration mm. isn't done until you see your 42 moment. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if it's not 42, it's not for you. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the manifestation of God's restoration, it's because God's not done. Come on. So that's where the number 42 came. Come on, somebody. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for asking that question. Yeah, Pastor. So, you know, we've, we've, um, I have known you personally now for, you know, over 10 years. And uh, I've seen you on some of the, the biggest stages, you know, in those 10 years. You know, 10 years might not seem like a long time in the sense of, you know, how long you know somebody, but that, you know, in that short amount of time, I've seen you on some of the biggest stages, conferences, uh, you know, Catalyst, I've seen you, uh, you know, large conferences. Um, I, I just, one of the first times I saw you was at Saddleback, Rick Warren, I've uh, seen you at the Potter's House at Lakewood, different platforms all over the world, Australia, Planet Shakers, different places. And, uh, you know, it's beautiful to have seen how God grew that but then, you know, the pain comes and the trial comes. 
Uh, so, you know, the burning question is, you know, how do you get back up from all of that? Like you, you, were, you were at the, the top, uh, so to speak, in a way, um, speaking on some of the largest platforms in the world. Um, you know, and then, and then there's this, this, this trial, this fiery trial. How do, you, how do you get back up from that? It's quiet in this Baptist church. <laughs> um, great question, honest question. I want to answer it. And I want to answer it as honest as I can, thinking about someone who perhaps life has knocked them down. Like, I like what you said. Every person's process of restoration is different. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to submit what I learned. I learned it from David. The Bible says in the book of 2 Samuel, when David's son that he had with Bathsheba passed away, and God said he was going to pass away, but David was fasting and praying, hoping for a miracle. God didn't give him a miracle, but he gave him a process. And I had to learn that from God. I wanted a miracle, but God said, no, I need to give you a process. That's how the whole monarch thing came about. The butterfly, the monarch butterfly. As God said to me, Sergio, a caterpillar doesn't need a miracle to become a butterfly. It needs a process. Yeah. So right now you're a caterpillar. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And he said to me, if you'll trust the process, I'll show you a different version of yourself. Mm. But you have to trust the process. So I went through, like, again, I told you, I studied every person in the Bible that was restored. Every one of those stories. So I'm going to just refer to the story of David. David, the Bible says, is on the ground. And the Bible says that there's, his leaders come and tell him, your son has died. Everyone expects him, well, to lose it. But he doesn't. The Bible says he gets up. He washes himself. He anoints himself. He changes his clothes and he goes into the temple and he worships God. So David, of course, because of his adulterous affair with Bathsheba, gets Bathsheba pregnant. God humbles him. He loses the son. And all of a sudden, he's on the floor. How does a king get back up from the, main, the worst crisis of his life? So I want to say this to everyone. You may not have the crisis of King David. You might have a financial crisis, a, a marital crisis, a relational crisis, a crisis with your child. It could be a crisis in your health. This is what I learned. That you have to choose to get up. Yeah. No one's going to get you up. No one is going to get you off the floor. Yeah. You have to choose to get up. Yeah. So everybody say with me, get up. Get, get up. up. In Spanish it would be, levántate. 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 You got to say with attitude, levántate. Levántate, compa. So, get up. And David, the Bible says, got up. Yeah. So at some point, you've got to get out of your depression. Mm -hmm. You've got to get out of isolation. So good. You've got to get out of loneliness. Yeah. You've got to get out of your fear. You've got to get out of your own head. Get up. Everyone say, get up. Get up. Get up. The Bible says David got up. And then the Bible says that he washed himself. He cleansed himself. That means he made a decision to wash himself of whatever was on him. So everyone say, cleanse yourself. Cleanse yourself. You've got to make a decision to cleanse yourself of whatever happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what David did. Mm -hmm. He took a good spiritual shower. So my advice to you, get up. Cleanse yourself in the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Have a moment with God where you have a moment of confession so that you can have a moment of cleansing. Yeah. There is no cleansing without confession. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be willing to be honest and confess to God and to others what happened. Wow. Yeah. I remember I did that with all of you. I said, and all of my friends, I said, hey, this happened. Mm -hmm. Because I understood this. You, you get cleansed in community. Yeah. That's why the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess yourself, he'll cleanse you of unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. And so 
Oftentimes, we don't want to have fellowship with others. But it's in the fellowship of others that yeah. you get cleansed. Yeah. So I remember, I went with Pastor Cash and I went with Cashito with all my friends over there in Guatemala. And, and Pastor Cash had a meeting at his house and we were all there just, and he said, okay, Sergio, tell us what happened. I was like, okay. <laughs> but it was good because it was cleansing. Yeah. It was honest. Yeah. I had to confess. I didn't like what I had to confess, but I had to learn. There's cleansing in the confession. Come on. So mm-hmm. cleanse yourself. But then the Bible says, David, after that, he anointed himself. I love that. And, what, and I want to say this. After you've cleansed yourself, you need to anoint yourself afresh in the Holy Ghost. You've got to get in with the Holy Spirit, get a fresh anointing from God, a fresh word from God, a fresh touch from God, and remind yourself that you're still anointed, you're still appointed, you're still called, you've still been chosen. The anointing is waiting for you to place it on yourself. In other words, what David had to do is to, he had to recommit mm-hmm. to living an anointed life. Wow. Yeah. Good. So he got oil and he said, I'm going to anoint myself with oil. Yeah. I remember I had to choose to believe that I'm still God's anointed and appointed man. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that we all have received an anointing. That's what the Bible says, that we've been anointed by the Holy Spirit. We know that the book of John uh, says that we have an anointing of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So I claimed that anointing, supernatural power from God. And then the Bible says he changed his clothes. This is sometimes the hardest because everything else is private. I'm going to get up by myself. I'm going to cleanse myself by myself with God and particularly with close people, but it's still private. I'm going to anoint myself. It's still private. Now I need to change my clothes. That means I'm ready to come out. I had to make a decision to put on the righteousness of Christ and take off the shame of the enemy. Yeah, so good. And, and while you're saying that, I also remember the story of the prodigal son. Okay. He chose a path that led him into that sinful life, and then he's eating with pigs, mm. and then he has to make a choice. That's it. To get up. We know the brother didn't go over there and save him. We, we know the father didn't leave the house to go look for him. Mm-hmm. This might be hard for somebody. <laughs> but he had to come back to his senses and say, I'm going to get up yeah. and I'm going to go back. Oh, so good. Once he got back, there was fresh clothes for him, yes. a new ring, yes. new shoes, yes. a new covenant. Yes. There was new provision, new everything. There was... A, Everything waiting for him, but he had to make the choice. Mm. Yeah. Now, this, this next question would be, some of us go through life thinking we're okay. You know what? Yeah. I'm not going through that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not going through, my marriage is okay. I'm, I'm not failing that. What would you say to that or to... To that guy, that girl, that the person that's watching us or in his room right now that's saying, I don't need to get up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's good. I might not need restoration. What would you say to him? Mm-hmm. That's a powerful question. And I'm going to answer it two ways. The first way I'm going to answer it is only a blind person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> only someone that is blind cannot understand that they do not see. When you're blind, you have no idea that you can't see. Mm. And when you're blind, you have no idea of where you're going and what's in front of you. And that's what blindness does to us. Mm -hmm. Blindness tells us, I'm good. Everything around me is good. It's because you're blind. Yeah. You don't see. Mm. That you're about three months away from a trauma, a tragedy. Mm-hmm. 
you're about two decisions away from losing what you worked so hard for. You're about a year away from the enemy reaping what he sowed in your heart today. So I'm gonna tell people this. Blindness mm -hmm. is the number one reason why the enemy takes advantage of us. Wow. Mm. So the enemy is patient. He'll sow something in your life today like an offense with your spouse, an offense with your family, an offense with the leader, an offense with God. And he'll, let, he'll leave it there. He won't touch it. He'll let you live with that offense in your pocket, knowing that that seed is going to put root down. Yeah. And that's why Hebrews says, watch the seed of bitterness, that it does not take root in you. Yeah. It causes the defilement of many. Yeah. Because what Satan does is he sows a seed, and he says, I'm not going to harvest it today. I'm going to come back a year later and I'm going to let you feel like you're okay. You're in control of this habit. You're in control of this addiction. You're in control of this attitude. You're in control. You got this. And he's going to leave you alone. And then before you know it, something happens and he says, now that seed's going to bring forth fruit. And people say, where did that come from? How did that happen? A year back. A year back, you were so blind that yeah. you didn't realize so good. your desperate need of God. Wow. Yeah. And so the enemy takes advantage. Wow. So that's the first thing I would say. The person that says, I don't need it, I don't need restoration, because they're blind. The second thing I would say this to a person that says, I don't have need of restoration, it's because God hasn't given you the privilege mm -hmm. to see how much you need him. He's letting you live for yourself, with yourself, without the need of him. Mm. Which is probably the greatest and most dangerous place to be in life. Mm -hmm. Self-sufficiency is the greatest mockery to God. Mm. I don't need you. I don't want you. I can do it without you. Yeah. That is the greatest mockery to your creator. Mm -hmm. Just think about a, your son or daughter saying to you, Dad, I don't need you. I don't want a relationship with you. I can do it without you. Now, as a Latino, that'll fire me up. <laughs> but see, imagine how God feels every day when people say, I don't need to be restored with God. I don't need to be restored with anyone else. I'm fine the way I am. I don't need anyone. Mm -hmm. I don't want anyone. Mm -hmm. I can do without anyone. Mm -hmm. So I'd say to that person right now, you have no idea, but you're in the greatest danger of your life to proclaim your independence yeah. from the one that created you, from the one that knows you, from the one that loves you, and from the only one who has the best interest in your future. Yeah. So good. And that's why today, what God wants all of us to experience in this room and through this camera today, through our podcast, is the power of transformation. Mm -hmm. Transformation begins when I am willing to be transparent with God. Yeah. There is no transformation without transparency. Do you believe that, Pastor mm -hmm. Mignon? Of course. Why do you believe that? You need to, you need to have that transformation. You need to. I think, for for many times we've been. You've said it very good right now. We've just been, the, the blind. Like we've been told, like, hey, you're okay, you're good. And society changes so much. <laughs> uh, but in it, man, you need to be able to have some transformation in in what's happening in the seasons of life and where you're in because if. If you don't, you're going to want to be moving forward into God's promises with an old version of you. Okay, say that again. You're going to be wanting to move forward with the things of God with an old version of you. And you know what I, you know what I believe? The old you can never go where the new you is going. No. God will never mm -hmm. take the old you yeah. to the new you. Like Jacob, I don't need you where you're going. I need Israel. Mm -hmm. So good. Go ahead. No, I was I was just gonna say that transformation, so not all change, mm -hmm. 
is transformation. Okay, mm. that's good. Not all change is transformation, and I think a lot of people think, yeah. you know, well, I'm going to change a little bit about me, and that's going to help, but really it's still the same you because we haven't really been, we haven't allowed ourselves to go through the process fully. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think I heard you talk about, yes. um, is years ago, about the cycle of how transformation comes. You know, because a lot of times we just want to change a little bit of, a, of how we are and maybe on the outside modify ourselves. Behavior modification. But, but not all change equals transformation. Yeah. But yeah. I heard you say all transformation will always lead to change. Yes. Well, I'm going to need the keyboardist behind me to talk about this right now. <laughs> Come on, give God praise today. Is it? this I want to close because we want to pray. Mm -hmm. How many of you want to believe God for your transformation? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so here is what I've learned um, is the process of transformation. Yeah. Is, and I'm going to give it to you with multiple words, okay? That whenever God's going to bring you to transformation, he always causes a crisis. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a self-imposed crisis. Sometimes it's an inherited crisis. Sometimes it's the crisis we create. Have you ever met someone that creates crisis? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's an inherited crisis. It's not because of what you did. It's because of what someone else did. Yeah. So you're in crisis. Everyone say crisis. Crisis. Crisis always leads you to chaos. Mm. So when people are in crisis, immediately they want to go back to normal. They want to immediately, they'll negotiate, they'll make, they say, I promise I'll never do it again, and, and, and we'll do this, and we'll do that, and, 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 and crisis is looking at you and saying, it's not going to work. Yeah. You're not even at the second stage of transformation. And the second stage is chaos. Everyone say chaos. Chaos. Chaos is God's way of telling you something is out of order. Mm. Crisis it's God's way of telling you something needs to change. Mm. But it doesn't mean you're going to have change right away. It's just God telling you something needs to change. Yeah. Chaos is God telling you something is out of order. So God will allow a crisis to happen. It will bring you to chaos. Mm. And if you let yourself embrace the process during chaos, what does that mean? That means hold on to Jesus like Jacob did. No. I'm not going to let you go through this chaos. I don't understand what I'm going through. Chaos is meant to bring the end of yourself. Mm. Chaos is meant to cleanse your mind of all confusion. And you'll stay in chaos until you submit your thoughts, until you submit your heart, until you submit yourself to God. God will leave you in the cycle of chaos. You'll go to a new house, but that same problem will follow you. Yeah. You'll get a new marriage, that same problem will follow you. You'll get a new job, and that same problem will follow you. It doesn't matter. Everywhere you go, you are still in chaos. So you take that chaos wherever you go. But when you surrender, there'll be change. And this is where I, I, I want to warn all of you. The moment you get change, you're like, glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord, we're done. And God's like, no, you're not. You can be done, but you're not done. Yeah. Now, I can say to you what I've wanted to say to you. So now I'm not going to speak to you as a person in chaos. Now I'm going to speak to you as a person that's in healing and restoration. But the question still remains, will you let this change take you to transformation? Yeah. So what does that mean? Change is not transformation. Change is, I have a new mindset. Yeah. But is that mindset changing your behavior? Whoa. I have a new outlook in life, but is that outlook changing the way you treat other people? The goal of God is like the goal of Joseph. When Joseph's brothers met him, Joseph became unrecognizable to his brothers. Mm -hmm. The goal of transformation 
is that when people meet you again, you become unrecognizable. Come on. You don't love the same. Mm -hmm. You don't believe the same. Yeah. That's right. You don't handle people the same. You don't sing the same. You don't serve the same. You don't smile the same. Yeah. Something didn't just change so you. Yeah. yeah. Something has transformed you. Come on. Jesus said, the wind goes and no one knows where it comes and goes. But you know where the wind has been. Yeah. Have you ever seen a tree that the wind has pushed against it? And after a while, the tree was planted like this, but you come back like six months later, the tree is like this. Mm -hmm. Who did that? The wind. The Holy Spirit wants to come upon you so strong that where you were bent, he straightens you up. So good. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah, he will make the crooked places yeah, straight. straight. Wow. Yeah. So good. And how does he do that? The wind. surrendering to him and watch your best days are still ahead of you. Come on, Houston, let's give God praise for today.